Before we get into the podcast, here's some interesting trivia for you. Up to the end of the 80s, there was a half and half split between colorful and neutral cars. But today, more than 60% of cars sold are in the gray, black, silver and white categories. If you do a Google search for elegant home decor, your results will show you interiors that are mostly in beige, gray and white. Isn't this an interesting change that has mostly gone unnoticed by the regular people? So we decided to get into it. On this episode, we are discussing why has neutral come to signify elegance today? Why is the world not a riot of colors it used to be? And why have Indians become afraid of color in our homes? It is also the best time to have this conversation about color because Asian Paints is announcing the color of the year and the decor trends for 2023 this month as part of their initiative called Color Next. We are talking to Manjusara Rajan, who is the Editor-in-Chief for Beautiful Homes India and Senior Advisor Design at Next. First, she takes us through the purpose and significance of this initiative. Then, we also discuss simple ways of introducing bright colours into your home decor and the significance of the right lighting to balance these colours. So join us in this very enlightening conversation. I am your host, Rachna Nakra, and you are listening to Let's Talk Decor. Thank you so much for joining us, Manju. Thank you for having me, Rachna. So there's a reason we are here talking about color today. Asian Paints is celebrating 20 years of its initiative called Color Next, which involves announcing the color of the year and also predicting decor trends for the year. I know that there is a lot of in-depth research that goes behind this process. Can you, for our listeners, detail out the significance and purpose of Color Next? Sure. Um, so it's very interesting that um, about tw- now tw- in this 2023 will be 20 years of this initiative. The idea was to map out what is happening um, in India and in the region and understand how social cultural changes and things that are happening in our society are affecting the way we make choices about color, materials, finishes, textures, and things like that. Now, obviously, there are color initiatives that have been around in the other uh, in other parts of the world, but Asian Paints decided that we needed to, be, because our own affiliation with color is so specific to our culture and our heritage and, and um, the way we approach it is so different, they felt that it was important for AP to map out what was happening in our region and to have a research report that reflected our um, likes, dislikes and and sort of uh, instincts better um, rather than depend on something that's more global. So the Colonex process is in itself, it's a year-long process to really investigate what's going on in our region and then to translate those trends and um, you know, things that are happening into CMFT, which is color materials, finishes, um, and textures. Uh, at the moment, I know you cannot reveal too much about the trends or the color, but can you give us uh, a hint into what can we expect? 
So um, last year, we started looking at what are the kinds of things that are happening around us and the things that particularly for our region, what is what are we thinking about? What are we talking about? Um, what's on our minds? And we looked at various different we looked at various different things in the sense that and this process, if I if I can just take you through it is very interesting because we start with a group of people recommending a bunch of different um, sociocultural changes that we are seeing around us, right? So it's a group of us that are saying, okay, you know what, I, I think, you know, I, I, I remember this happening around me or this fashion, this big fashion trend happened this year. So we make suggestions of about maybe five to 10 things. And over a course of several months and, and almost exactly a year, we whittle that down. If I may interrupt, who are who is this group of people? So, the, so this group of people are some of us who are um, external, sort of semi-external consultants. Then there is uh, there is a team of people from within Asian Paints because Asian Paints has a dedicated color team that has been involved in this process from day one. Uh, the CEO of Asian Paints um, and different heads of departments from AP itself. Then we have a number of individuals who are experts from various fields. Now, for instance, this past year we had um, architect Madhav Raman, who was part of our part of our group from the beginning, who's come in from the point of view that he he's a practitioner, he's also um, you know an academic. So he comes in with this with a completely different set of. Um, different set of experiences and different way of looking at things. And then during that months-long process, the AP team will go out and meet many different kinds of experts from the design field, from fields like fashion, product design, academics, many, many, many different groups of people so that we can also we can also back up and understand whether the ideas that we've had are valid and if those pan out after discussions with a larger group of individuals. So it's actually a a big group that then there's a constant check-in with, with, um, you know, the larger group and then the internal, um, the core, core group that discusses this. And like I said, it's a many months-long process, and it also involves many different iterations. So as I was saying, I mean, after this sort of first suggestion of a bunch of ideas by six, seven of us, every time you are discussing, each of us have to sort of really back up the ideas that we have. Many of us disagree with one another, um, and or some of us will back one idea particularly, and and you know that becomes sometimes it gets thrown out, sometimes it makes it to the end. But there is a lot of discussion and um, quite a uh, you know you have to convince a wide jury over and over again till you are finally left with four or five different trends um, and one color of the year. And I know that the the trends are very much clued into the zeitgeist of the moment, as we've seen in the past. Uh, what is what is what are the themes that are coming up for twenty twenty three? Without you detailing it entirely, if you can tell us that. So one of the things that we realized over the last couple of years, especially, you know, there are two two larger 
larger themes now, now and now and for the foreseeable future that we'll always have to deal with. One is, of course, the pandemic. I mean, there is the pre, there is everything that happened before the pandemic and everything that is happening post pandemic. Our way of life has has changed for the foreseeable future because of what um, globally we've all been through in the in two thousand twenty, and so. Everything that we look at and every trend that comes up has been affected by it in some form. The other factor is technology. I mean, technology today, you know, whether it's e-commerce, whether it is um, the number of apps we're using, our whole way of life is now, um, you know, it, it's, it, it works around technology in various forms and technology is at the heart of everything. So these are two overarching things that we've looked that we came up, uh, you know, we came up with over and over again, and then looking at how those things have then affected the way people are living or the way they are interacting with one another. Um, then, of course, there's also the climate crisis, which is another over, you know, a macro problem that's going to affect everything about the way we live, the kind of materiality we will choose. Um, at the kind of homes we will create. So there are a couple of these larger things that happen in the world that then affect a lot of what goes on around us in the everyday. So when I look at the trends that we have um, finally sort of agreed upon and, and identified, each of them um, have this commonality among them, right? One, one looks really at the new kinds of materials that are going to be used um, and a, at a natural natural um, material that is now finding its way into many different kinds of many different kinds of fields from from health to food to fashion to many different things. Um, there's also one trend that we're really looking at from the health and wellness perspective because of course health and wellness, mental health, um, for instance, has been something that we've all been talking about for the last couple of years, especially. But we are we're we're honing we're honing a little bit clearer on one specific aspect of our lives that then affects everything else. So we do have something that we're looking at from that aspect. Then there's something. Then there's a trend that we're looking at about. And this is a direct response to the pandemic the, and the stresses of the pandemic about how people are wanting to create a different um, kind of life for themselves, a life that has a little bit more connectivity with nature um, and also a little bit more of, of um, you know, grounding, if I will. Um, and so, so like I said, I mean, there are, there are the larger macro stories and things that are happening around our world that everything else is then a translation or a response to those. So if I can say a lot without saying too much, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what it is. It's so interesting, Manju. And as design editors, these are conversations we thrive on. And, you know, when something like this is announced, it gives a roadmap to interior designers and architects for that year. But our listeners will ask, what is in it for a regular homeowner or a decor enthusiast in, in this? So, I mean, see, if you when you look at um, the role of uh, a company like Asian Paints or the role of each of us as, as design 
editors. I mean, the I the what is our role? Our role is to constantly look at what's out there and to offer up new ideas. And to me, the practicality and the and the practical essence of the Colonex initiative is exactly that. We're saying, you know, look at look at colors, look at um, textures, look at materials in a different way. There might be a ton of things that are out there. We are picking out of that. Um, we're connecting it to an overall mood or, like you said, as the zeitgeist of, of, of uh, that time and saying that, hey, why don't you give this a look? And the main thing I think here is that there, all of these trends, many of these materials and textures, these are things that are just, you know, and it is essential to the life of a trend that these are things that are just starting up. And we will see over the next couple of years, many of these ideas gaining even larger traction. And, and that is our role is to find it at the nascent stage and then to say, hey, this is, you know, this is going to become big. So um, for homemakers, for designers, what this initiative offers is a bunch of new ideas and a bunch of different ways of looking at things and the ability to to you know look at a, a series of colors and a series of textures and materials in a completely different way it might it's it some of it might be there but we're saying hey have you thought about it in this way have you considered using it in a completely different format um, and I think that is where uh, that is our role. Our role is to give people ideas and to sort of instigate them to start looking in directions that they otherwise wouldn't. And I also appreciate the fact that this goes beyond the inspiration you might find on social media. And it, it really gives you an opportunity to look at decor and design and materials in depth and make a decision for yourself. Yeah, I mean, see, the, the and we when you look at where ideas come from, uh, right? There are every everything starts with something, and and what we're what we are doing, and what is what our role is is to is to look at what's out there already and say, hey, okay, that stuff has already been done. Let's look at something completely different and challenge ourselves to be able to work with difficult colors or difficult finishes and say, you know, and give people new ideas. So because what's out there on social media and what's out, you know, that's already obviously been done. So it is our responsibility, um, both as a company that's working in this space and also from an editorial perspective to actually take something that's unusual or something that's not easy to to translate and actually work with that and give people ideas on how they can adapt it to their spaces. So let's say the conversation more towards color. Uh, this is some this is a research that we spoke about recently. And uh, so a couple of years ago, the Science Museum took photographs of 7,000 plus household items going back centuries, analyzed how their colors changed over time. And came to the conclusion that, well, the world is not a riot of colors that it used to be. In fact, now products we use on a daily basis are more gray and blue. It is quite evident when we scroll social media, what we see is decor inspiration that is more Japandi, more minimal, which is mainly about neutral colors, right? Why do you think Manju has the world suddenly become averse to color? 
I mean, I think, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's necessarily that the world has become a world of color. I think the, when you, um, you know, there's a, there is in many cultures, there is, there are uh, cultural, cultural instincts that we have when it comes to color, right? But there's also today, because of social media, because of the imagery that we sort of see around us, we start to develop a notion of what is elegance, what is beauty. If Kim Kardashian has a largely beige and white um, home, then that becomes a standard for something. But it doesn't mean that color has completely gone away. But obviously, in terms of availability of products, like you were saying, I mean, in terms of the colors of cars, in terms of the colors of many objects, we've started steering towards steering in a different direction but there is also the ability at the same time to to actually now look at something more bright look at some, so it, I, i'm i've always been very intrigued by this valentino pink um you know what's happened with this valentino pink which is the magenta the rani pink that india has lived with for centuries right um suddenly yeah. it has become suddenly it's become this kind of like this explosive use of color but it's not i mean we've had it for we've had it for a very very long time so i think the i think what's happened is that a certain kind of imagery starts to sort of take over and we see it everywhere um and there are certain kinds of imagery that don't that you know is also not part of our um is not part of our sort of visual feast often so the responsibility i think for companies like ours also becomes that we're able to take these things that are that are culturally that we do react to really well because in india we love color right i mean traditionally we love color we have color in our clothing yeah. we have you know so to take that and then to bring that back i think um because i think people just need to be reminded that hey you know the the there's also all of this still here and just take another look and there are brands that have done a really good job of it especially in fashion um i think in interior design it is a little bit harder for people people are a little bit scared of how to make deep and really complicated colors work because let's face it you do need to be quite balanced when you do it right um but that's our that's our job to be able to say hey this is how you can balance difficult difficult colors and to and to sort of maybe bring a little bit of that vivaciousness back in interior design yeah do you think uh, okay so historically the west has presented a fondness for bright colors as a part of the so called uncivilized nations and their cultures right yeah so do you think it's some sort of a colonial hangover now that we in india have also begun to live in judgment of color i think i mean there's certainly that i mean there is if you look at our traditional temples if you look at um you know there was a there were there've been news stories in the last couple of years about how the idea that um greek and greek ro- greek ruins for instance or roman ruins i can't remember if it which which one of those it was but the idea that all of this was found in this pristine white marble is actually wrong and many of these classical objects were probably painted with a lot of color that event that got stripped away by time um right but we've we have grown up all of us have grown up with this notion that classicism elegance all of this refers to a refers to a a, a very tight 
um, color wheel that is basically beiges, whites, grays, etc. And and so I do think there is a bit of a hangover in that notion. But uh, having said that, I think and and there is another point there that when people uh, in the trajectory that they follow in terms of their taste and design, oftentimes your first first experience of luxury oftentimes is a is a hotel room right that's that's your most accessible point of luxury and oftentimes when you are first building a home because you can afford to do something really um, you know or, or to really splurge on it oftentimes even perhaps with uh, realizing it perhaps not realizing it you think of a hotel room and the hotel rooms are have to be sort of beige and gray um, and gleaming marbles. Yeah, especially because they have to tend to a lot of different kinds of people. So they will pick the most neutral, least offensive way of um, way of presenting something as long as it also works with each brand. Um, so obviously, when you then take ideas from that kind of a environment and you translate it into a home, it is going to be that way, right? But I think the, the the fact is that today we do have the opportunity for, because this conversation is happening, right? Now we are realizing that perhaps it is not uncool to have bright colors. Perhaps it is, perhaps we can actually explore that part of ourselves that love bright colored saris and bright colored clothes. We can sort of explore the same thing in our homes. Um, but like I said, the main question is how. How do I do this without it becoming sort of a, you know, like a regurgitated or a complete uh, mishmash and a, and a clash? That requires a certain balance. And that, that education is what, you know, we all have to kind of, those of us who are in the industry have to do to, um, and those of us who are outside have to, have to kind of spend that time to understand how to balance things. Um, but certainly there is 100%, there is a, we've all grown up and and learned about certain things being uh, elegant and certain things not being. And I think that's something that we need to consciously get out of thinking about it that way. So let's get to the how then. And I think you're the best person to tell us in some ways, how, how can you balance out color so that it does not go into the category of kitsch or messy or loud or just too distracting like anything easy that you can tell us if somebody listening to this is willing to incorporate more color into their homes i think it it so one it goes back to your own confidence level so i would say say somebody like me who is not um is also very very tentative when it comes to usage of color what i do but at the same time i like having some colors around me so what i do is that you you start with whatever what is your basic like what are your walls going to be i think putting color on the walls is is for someone that's much experienced right because that's something that you cannot really change very often so i would say that if i were to just take my own example i start with a very um i start with a very basic neutral overall um color say a gray shell then I start to add the add tonality to that. And then I choose what is that one or two colors that I want to stand out. So what goes with a gray? Um, to me, red goes with a gray, right? Like a bright pop of certain kinds of red will go with a gray. 
Um, I also like mustard as a color and it's a color that I feel goes with a gray. So I would say your overall shell of a home can be a neutral because that's safe. But add your color in things that you can change and move around. So add, start adding with the textures, the fabrics, um, you know, your, your, uh, your um, cushions, your um, accessories. Add color slowly through those elements. As you're, if you are a first timer trying to do it, do it that way. Your, what is on your wall um, so that... So that even if you even if you are making a mistake, though I don't think really there's any way to make a mistake if your home really just looks at, as a representation of yourself, there's no way to make a mistake. But even if you're afraid of making mistakes, start with the layer that's on top that you can easily just chuck or, or <laughs> bring new ones because putting it on the wall is always going to be uh, a next level. So at the next level, if you are brave enough to be able to put it on the wall, I would say that the starting point is is to get a mood board together, right? If you are thinking of putting, um, like a couple of years ago, the color of the year was in um, Curiosity Blue, which is a really strong blue color. And we were, when we looked at how to use that blue color, we realized that you needed to offset it with lighter wood colors, lighter grays. Um, and there is the beauty of social media and the internet is that you can actually find a lot of that um, inspiration out there. But I do think that if you are looking at using strong colors on the walls and you need to put a mood board together, if that is the strongest color, if your wall has the strongest color, then everything else needs to be balanced because usage of color, the main thing is balance. The other very important factor is light. Because and I and I I hate white light, so I I don't think anyone should have white light of any sort. No matter what color you use, if you use white light in your home, uh, it, it's going to look terrible. But to, figuring out the kind of light you are going to get in your home, uh, how much daylight you get, what kind of uh, light we you need to use, that is another really important factor when it comes to the usage of color, because. The color that you see in a in a can is very different from the color that's going to be on your wall when the sun falls on it. And that color is going to look completely different as the day goes by. So you want to test the color on the wall at different times of day to see how it's going to look. And I always think it's good to try a slightly larger patch, not a very small patch on the wall because a small patch isn't really going to tell you that much. So try a slightly larger patch and look at the, how that color is going to change at different times of day and then make a decision. And usually try a darker and a, like three different shades of the same color so you can pick from, from it. Um, and when you are done choosing that color for the wall, then I would say balance the depth and the strength of the color on the wall by muting your accessories you know just flip the whole thing the other way right use more subtle elements in the um in your accessories so that there's a nice balanced contrast so that not everything is is dark and moody right so i think balance is really really key and it what balance means in every context is very different depending on the color you're using Every time we speak to uh, homeowners um, who we interview and who's the house tours that we do, 
everybody tells us this one thing because we live such chaotic lives we are you know our senses are bombarded all the time what we want our home to be is an escape is something we come back to to feel calm and you know just just good about about things what would you tell a person like that because then they end up taking the 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 calmer which is usually the more neutral way out in terms of colors so it's usually homes that are beige and white and maybe a hint of green or blue somewhere so what would you tell people like that who believe that color is is too much for my senses when i come back home so i certainly believe that color has a uh, has an impact on your mood but i also think that that is very very personal and subjective so i don't think that like for instance let's say that we all think of the neutral cream as being a very muted and 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 subtle color but actually if you put a white or a cream in a bright you know in a apartment with loads and loads of sunlight it will be so bright especially during the day that it would you would find it extremely difficult to to feel calm there right so i think um i think there are colors we do give we ascribe certain tones and qualities to certain colors like i perhaps would not put say a yellow in my bedroom right um right. so i and i so i think that that is a valid idea but i think that is very different for different people now when it comes to if it's if someone's looking for fundamentally a sense of calmness I would say that you need to look at two things together. It's not just the paint on the wall that's going to decide that. It is actually lighting. Right? It is the lighting in your home when you come back in the evening. If you come back in the evening and your and your wall is whatever color it is and you put a whole lot of light and it's as luminous as a stadium, you're not going to feel calm. It's it's going to mess with your circadian rhythm. You're not going to be able to calm yourself into a state where you can rest. so i think looking at the and often times in india we have ambient lights on the on the ceiling and we always like i never turn on my ceiling lights i have ceiling lights but i never turn them on because i find them far too bright and far too random because it's just throwing light at the entire room and i don't need that unless i've got like i don't know unless there's 30 people and we're doing a book reading or something i don't see why i would <laughs> it so i think the the thing that people actually need to look at is the light because you can have the kind of uh, you can have paint color that you that that works for you and i like i said i think each person has a very different reaction to different colors and different paint colors some of us just don't like certain colors um and that is something that each person will know but once you've identified that factor i think it is really important to pay attention to the amount the quality and quantum of light in a space because we all want to come into a restful if you look at a work day we want to come into a space that's going to start helping us calm ourselves into a state where we want to eventually go to sleep right and that requires your eyes to be able to adjust to a lower degree of light than say if you're walking around a shopping mall or you're sitting in front of the computer so i would say that that's the most important factor look at the amount of light that you have especially in spaces like the bedroom and the living room 
um and particularly in the in the evening because ideally you need to start reducing the amount of light around um towards towards the late evening so that you know you can your body understands that it's time to go to sleep well i love that we live in times where you bring up things like circadian rhythm in a conversation about home decor <laughs> well it's actually funnily enough without again without saying too much the circadian rhythm and rest are uh, is is something that we've looked at very very deeply um in the in the trend forecast for this year so you'll you'll be hearing about it a lot more yeah and i get that i get with what you were saying basically people who are working or going to offices actually want to come back from the neon lights of their cubicles and the blue lights of their laptops to a calming uh, yellow light at home but i think they usually mistake that for color and yeah and i think what you're saying makes complete sense that it's not always color but the most often the lighting that's making you feel yeah and i mean is you know if you have children who are studying and you have older i mean you have parents because many of our homes are for different generations of people and everybody has different things that they're doing at a particular time of uh, of the evening so it's understandable that that you know the luminosity in the house has to be at a certain certain um certain temperature but i think especially in spaces that are meant for rest especially in the bedrooms it is something that needs to be um needs to be looked at because today we also have the capability of you know it can be 8 pm and your home can look like it's 11 am we have the capacity with technology to really amp up the amount of light in our apartments and our homes right but that does not mean you should um and that is something that i think people have to really start to understand that if you are even if you're reading and that's the beauty of having task lights right if you are sitting somewhere and you need to do something then that's what you need a task light for so absolutely this is this is the most important factor in a home and it is the, and across the board when we speak to even architects and interior designers we realize that many people don't understand how important lighting is and lighting does not mean having a lot of it that that's not that's not what it means so what lighting means is to adapt adapt the quantum of light in each space according to what you're meant to do in that space and so that you're not bumping into anything and falling over so you know it, to really understand the activity in a particular area and to create the mood and sense of um light according to that what is the future of color manju where is color going um so last couple of years because of covid uh, we saw that people just retreated into their shells because of the lockdown people wanted things around them to be slower calmer which which was a result of the lockdowns actually but we saw that as the lockdowns opened up as the world opened up uh travel people went back to traveling people went back to you know shopping do you think um, the 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 last two years of uh, covid and lockdowns will make us appreciate color and maximalism in home decor too um so i think i mean i don't know where the future of color is going that's a big question but <laughs> but uh, i like i was saying at, at the beginning i don't think where we are going to we are living in and we are going to be living in the post pandemic 
mentality for a long time because I think what happened to all of us was a shock and it has made everyone consciously or unconsciously really look at our surroundings and to think about how we live. Now, even though so many people have gone back to offices and it is back to back to work, at the end of the day, we now have, I think, pretty much everyone who, of course, can afford to do it is thinking about how should my home be? It used to be that if you lived in an urban space, you got up in the morning, you got ready, had your breakfast and left and came back in the evening and went, you know, had dinner and went to sleep, watched some TV. And that was it. That was your relationship with your living space. Then for three weeks or three months or whatever, you ended up sitting in that home and really looking around and paying attention to what does that home mean to me? And you're forced to deal with it. And now every, even today as, as COVID sort of rears its head ever so often in different forms, you know, we do have to self-quarantine. We are, this has now become part of our uh, conversation. It's part, become part of our lexicon of words, right? Um, quarantine, for instance. And what does quarantine mean? Quarantine means you are sitting in your space, either an apartment or even just a room, and really just spending time with that space and yourself. So, of course, I think it it has affected the way we consider our spaces. I mean, we've been told that people have started making panic rooms in villas. Now, I don't know why you would wow. make a panic room <laughs> in, a, in a situation I like this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's the opposite of what I would do. But, uh, but apparently, panic rooms are a thing in Delhi. Um, but, you know, people are, people are reacting to it. We are creating work from home spaces have become one of the most requested um, requested changes to home design. So obviously, it's had a great deal of impact. Um, the beauty is that you are now thinking of the house much more. And to your question about maximalism, I certainly think that, you know, um, I mean, one, as a population, we are not a minimalist population, right? We we are not people that just chucked everything and put everything behind, um, you know, hid it behind spaces. And, and, and we're not used to living that way. We are not Scandinavian. We're not Japanese. We, we are not, we are people that have always collected and fixed and hoarded and and put things together so i think for us naturally we are not minimalists and also when i feel when you are stuck in a space even if it's your home you want mementos you want things around you that you cannot access easily otherwise right you want your you know the equivalent of a child's blankie you want those nurturing uh you want images of the people you cannot see uh, totems and, and mementos of things from people that you cannot meet. You want memories, you want warmth and cuddliness and, and layers around you, which I think is the reason why maximalism is making, you know, is is kind of made its way back. I mean, we discussed this in Beautiful Homes last year, saying that, you know, minimalism is out you you yeah. want you want uh, mementos of your family things that you have inherited maybe a maybe a desk maybe a uh, you know maybe photographs maybe a textile anything but when you find yourself confined that is when you are most likely to want um objects with meaning around you and i think that's the that's the philosophical or emotional reason why i think 
maximalism is is maybe not even maximalism but just non minimalism um and an anti minimalism wave is is sort of here um because you you do want some comfort and um and you want memories around you absolutely i think uh, manju this conversation will give our readers a new way or a different way of looking at color and things and and layers and textures and everything that they want to be surrounded by in their homes so thank you so much for joining us thank you and i i mean i just want to say that you know you can't really go wrong when you create a home that's representative of your of what you believe in and how you want to live there's really no no way to go wrong so just experiment absolutely yes thank you thank you we hope this conversation has managed to bust the myth that a calming home means a neutral home this is also an opportunity for all of us to explore our relationship with colors what we like what is too much for us and why let's make 2023 the year to release our fear of color and do our bit to making this world a more colorful place once again Thank you so much for listening. You just listened to the Let's Talk Decor podcast with your host Rachna Nakra. Follow our podcast on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Let's Talk Decor. is an initiative from beautifulhomes.com which is India's largest decor and design platform and is a part of Asian Paints. Beautiful Home Services brings customized interior design to everyone, allowing clients to create their dream homes with expert designers with the end-to-end management guarantee that's part of Asian Paints. If you'd like to know more about Beautiful Home Service and everything else under the decor category in Asian Paints, then do log on to beautifulhomes.com. This episode of Let's Talk Decor is produced by Nikhil Dintakurti and sound design partner Smart Voice Studio.